Hey, New Life Gillette Church, we are thrilled you decided to listen to our teaching on your favorite podcast app. If you made a decision to follow Christ today, would you let us know by visiting yes.newlifegillette.com? Here is this week's teaching. I've been watching uh, more soccer this year than I've ever watched before, and uh, yeah, uh, I've, we, we did, we're doing the host family thing for, for the Gillette College soccer guys, and so we've been going to all those games. I've learned more about soccer uh, in the last month than the rest of my life combined. But one of the things that I've noticed so much of is how sometimes it's so glaringly obvious when somebody is a selfish player. Like in other sports, you can be selfish, and it's a good thing even. But in this one, you've got a selfish player. Just get them off the field. It's obvious they're a selfish player. Get them off the field. You don't want them to be a part of your team. Uh, and so that is the connection we're going to make with kickoff Sunday today. First, let me say welcome to Church 307, uh, to the guys over at the prison, to our friends at the jail, and those of you who are here in the room. You know, my whole life I've heard people say, I don't need to be a part of the church to be a Christian. I don't need the church. And so I have one objective with my message today. Like, we're focusing the whole thing on one big invitation at the end. At the end of this message, I'm going to invite everybody here to make a next step commitment to the church, to being a part of the church, to investing in the church, to serving in the church, to fellowshipping in the church. Take a next step. I don't know where you are. I don't know how involved you are or what you're doing or how committed you are. But today, my invitation is to take a next step. Step. And a lot of people will say to, to that, ah, church is old school. Well, there's a little truth in that. We've been doing this pretty much the same way for maybe the style has changed, but pretty much the same thing, a couple thousand years. Uh, they'll say, I don't need the church to be a Christian. Little truth to that, that you can be a Christian without going to church. But here's the danger you run in taking one of those, using one of those arguments. The there are two dangers that I see. The first one is the big one. It's deconversion. Because you may say you don't need the church, but the reality is Satan is good at his job. And he can tempt. He's got some good tricks. He's got some good lies. He is the father of lies, and he uses them regularly to mislead people, to trick people, to get their attention on other things. And when you are disconnected from the body, the, the odds of being protected by the body when Satan attacks are greater, or are less, if you're not in the church. But even if you don't go to that extreme, even if you don't go to church and the extreme you don't go to is deconversion, the second thing that happens to most people who are not connected to the church is ineffectiveness. They just, they don't, they just don't get a lot done for the kingdom of God. You know, the last thing that Jesus says before he ascends into heaven is the Great Commission. He puts us on mission. It's a co-mission, all of us together. So if we are real Christians, we are not just receiving a gift, because that's what makes us a Christian. We receive a gift, but we don't stop there. We then give the gift. That's the good news. The gospel message invites us to be a part of this gift, to, to participate in this. Jesus' brother, James, said, faith by itself isn't enough. Unless it produces good deeds, it is 
dead and useless. Is Jesus' brothers saying that good deeds save us? That we can be saved if we do good works? No, that's not what he's saying. He's saying if you don't do good works, then you are a useless Christian. Then you're not doing much. You're not helpful to the mission. Your faith is impotent. It's selfish. And that is not the kind of Christians that we want to be. We want to be a part of God's mission in this world. We don't want to be impotent because isolated faith is impotent faith. We need the church so that our heritage doesn't die, so that a thousand years from now they are still saying the church is old school. Yes, it is because a lot of people sacrificed for a long time to make sure it stayed that way, to make sure it hung around. When everybody else was hating, we stayed faithful. And most of us don't like this idea of evangelism, this idea of sharing our faith with other people, inviting other people to be a part of it. Most of us don't want to be greasy salesmen, pushing our religion on people. And good, I don't want that either. What we want, what we should want, is to give the gift we received. We are gift givers. It's what we are. That's the Great Commission. Evangelism should flow naturally out of a relationship with God and with His people. The love that is created when we gather together, when we support each other, should overflow from us to the people around us. When some people look at Christianity, they don't see a lot of freedom. They don't see too much that is attractive. What they see is more like slavery. They look at the church and they, they think it's boring and they, actually, what they look at is two things. They see rules. I don't want rules. We talked about how last week, last week we talked about how rules may seem like bondage, but actually what they do is they allow us to be free. Rules give our children freedom. Rules give citizens freedom. Rules give us freedom. We need those rules. So we may, we may not like them, but they are good. Or maybe when they look at the church, it's not the rules that discourage them, it's the accountability. I, I, I like to live private, individually. Yeah, it may lead to some too much isolation. I may be lonely sometimes, but at least I don't have any of that accountability. If I go to church, there's going to be a bunch of people judging me and trying to control me. That's not our goal, right? Because we've seen the truth. I'm not out shouting down everybody who sins because I'm a sinner. But the reality is, there are some of us who take this too far, right? I get this argument. There are some of us who kind of suck at being a Christian. We're the judgmental Pharisees that Jesus railed so much against. The ones who were so concerned with making sure everybody was obeying their laws that they missed the big picture altogether. There are some of us Christians that do that. But that's what Jesus hated, isn't it? That's not, that means we're immature in our faith, not mature in our faith. If my habit is to enforce my rules and to judge people who are not following my rules, then that makes me an immature Christian, not a mature Christian. Because we all know that we're all on a journey. We're all growing. All of us make mistakes on the road to heaven. The reality is, even the professional Christians 
ones that have been doing this for a long time. Even professionals trip up. <laughs> From the 12, Jones keeps, gets a block, takes off, and he is gone. Trying to stay upright, and he trips. <laughs> Absolutely all alone, and he trips. He was gone. He was going to score a touchdown, but he tripped up. Happy kickoff Sunday. I'm trying to figure out how many different NFL teams I can criticize by the end of the message. Every Christian who has been a Christian for a long time recognizes that there is a journey of growing, of maturing, of becoming the people that God created us to be. You don't just get it like that. When you walk into a guitar store, what do you hear? You hear a lot of this. Sounds good. This kid is proud of his skill. Yeah, if you, wanna, if you see another one, just like swap them out. So. I appreciate you, man. What you see when you walk into a guitar store is a bunch of teenagers trying to play Stairway to Heaven. Right? And they really are not good at it. They're struggling through it. And when you see a teenager trying to play Stairway to Heaven, is your first thought, wow, Led Zeppelin sucks. That song is terrible. I can't, why would anybody want to play that song? It's a terrible song. Why do they think that? Because somebody's not doing it well. No, you wouldn't do that. You don't judge the song based on a beginner's version of that song. But this is what we do with Christ all the time. People say, I don't want to be a Christian. I don't want to follow Christ. Have you seen the Christians? Have you seen how hypocritical they are and how judgmental they are? And we judge Christ based on the failures, the immaturity of Christians. No, you don't go to the Christian to, determine, to judge Christ. You go to the source. If you want to know if Led Zeppelin is good or not, you go listen to Led Zeppelin and not, not to some teenager in the guitar store. Go to the source. Go to Christ. If you want to know whether or not Christ was who he said he was, go read his words. They were given to us as part of this gift. So in this journey, there are two relationships that God has given us to help us to become the people that God created us to be. Okay, here's the metaphor of the day. You are the strings on the teenager's guitar. You are the strings, and you were created on purpose, for a purpose, to make a beautiful song, a beautiful sound. But in order to make that beautiful sound, you need two things. You need to be connected to the head of the guitar, and you need to be connected to the body of the guitar. If you're disconnected from one of those two things, you cannot make the sound that God created you to make. And God is the head, and the church is the body. If we, strings, stay connected to both the head and to the, to the body, then you will see music made that you do not see made in any other institution in the world today or throughout history. Just look around the world and look at the origins of any nonprofit. 
Look at the faith of any successful uh, organization in history. So many hospitals and, and charities and orphanages of all kinds, almost all of them created by Christians. Why? Because people, as they mature, as they grow, they make beautiful music that nobody else in history has ever made. Because they first can, are connected to God. And God, being connected to God, allows us to change ourselves. A string connected to a guitar looks very different than a string not connected to a guitar. One time, a newspaper was doing a series of articles, and G.K. Chesterton, many of you have heard of him, wrote one of the uh, articles for this series. And his article that he wrote, or essay, was a two-word essay. I really wish this guy was the editor on my dissertation. Two-word essay. The full, most of them are pages long. This was his essay. I am. Profound, isn't it? Well, not unless you know what the title of the essay was. This, this series of essay that this uh, newspaper was putting out all had the same title with different people coming up to the answer of this title. The question of the title was, what is wrong with the, the world? What is wrong with the world? G.K. Chesterton says, I am. I'm the problem. Because Christians recognize that the problem in the world that has to be solved is hearts have to be changed. Minds have to be transformed. So we as Christians don't start by pointing fingers. That is not where we begin. We start by letting God change us. It's the Michael Jackson, man in the mirror thing. Change my heart. Renew my mind. I recognize that the problem is in here. And then those, that music that needs to be played, the love that needs to be done, then after I am tuned then I can make the music he created me to make. One time, uh, the apostle Peter was in jail. This is the church has begun. Jesus has ascended. Peter is leading the church. The, religious, or the political leaders didn't like this, and they throw him in prison. While Peter was in prison, the church prayed very earnestly for him. We'll come back to that later. The church, when we are in trouble, when we are in pain, when we have needs, the church, in our church, it's life groups. Those are our small churches within the big church. Our life groups support us. Our life groups help us. We need the church. Today is our last day of life group signups. If you have not joined a life group yet, you're a little bit late, but you're not too late. Get in a life group. Tomorrow is our first life group meetings. We have more people in life groups now and more life groups today than we have ever had before. And even some of our best life groups, now most of them are, are full, but some of our best life groups still have a few openings. So if you're not in a life group, stop putting it off. Go chat with Ch Karen or me or go to newlifejoliet.com slash life groups. Get in a life group. Don't put it off. Today, right now. Ignore me the rest of the time and do that. Because this is the purpose that the church serves. The night before Peter was to be placed on trial, he was asleep, fastened with two chains between two soldiers. 
There will be a time in your life when you're like Peter. You'll be in chains. Your life will not be going as planned, and you will feel alone. You will experience pain. And in that moment, you are desperately going to want somebody who will be there with you, who will be praying for you, who will be fighting spiritual battles on your behalf like Peter had while he was in his chains. And suddenly, there was a bright light in the cell, and an angel of the Lord stood before Peter. When everything seems good, we are tempted to point fingers, to judge others. We feel like when you're young, you know, you think you have everything together and you know everything. When I was in college, I knew everything. So it was very easy to point fingers. And then I learned the thing I didn't know was that I didn't know anything. And so then I quit pointing so many fingers, right? But something happens when we are in chains. We're not in chains when everything's good, we can point fingers. But when we are in chains, my ability to point fingers has really diminished. When things get bad, what we really want is those people that we have judged in the past to come to our rescue, to pray for us, to help us. And then the angel struck him on the side to wake him up. Quick, get up. And the chains fell off his wrists. We like to point fingers at people in chains, but at some point, we will all be in chains. So get this. The chains had to fall off Peter first. Peter was in chains, and he needed, it needed to start with him, he needed to be set free so that he could take the next step. It's kind of like what Jesus was saying in Matthew, hypocrite, first get rid of the log in your own eye. Maybe your prayer life sounds like, God, would you fix my wife or husband? Would you fix my boss? Would you pay my bills? God says, no, I need to start with you. My, my first step is you. And then, when we are freed from whatever chains that we have, then we can help somebody else. Get free so that you can help somebody else. Then we will see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. What's wrong with the world is me. But I can become what is right in the world if I grow, if I mature. And how do I grow? I grow by getting in tune with God, by staying connected to Him and allow Him to mold me, to sanctify me. I follow His design. Sometimes Christianity is hard because you have to stop playing the guitar to tune the guitar. It's kind of this annoying process. If, you, if you've ever played guitar, you've got to change the strings. You've got to keep things clean. You've got to humidify your guitar if you live in Gillette, Wyoming. And even in the middle of a set, we'll have a concert up here. And they've got to have somebody come and take the guitar from the guitar player, go backstage and tune it, and then bring the guitar back. There's this tuning process that happens. And yes, the tuning process is uncomfortable, but that is a part of what it looks like to be connected to God. As we are in relationship with Him, there are times when He has to say, you know, the music needs to stop for a minute. We got some tuning to do. 
some growing, maturing. But as we grow, as we learn, then it gets easier. The tuning process gets a little bit less painful. We still need to be tuned. We all need to be tuned. But did you know after a, a guitar string gets stretched out enough, it doesn't go out of tune as much? Because when it goes out of tune is when that guitar gets stretched, and you've got to tighten it. And it gets stretched, and you've got to tighten it. And notice this. Only the head can tune the string. The string cannot tune itself. The string is totally reliant on the head to tune it. You cannot tune you. You cannot be good enough. You cannot try hard enough. You cannot perfect yourself. You cannot sanctify yourself. You have to allow God to do that in you. And over time, if you will stay connected to him, he will. One time I was at a church in Kansas City at a concert. Uh, Kansas City. And got distracted. And it was a Phil Keggy concert. Anybody heard of Phil Keggy? Phil Keggy is a phenomenal guitar player and potentially one of the get, get best guitar players in history. And Phil Keggy, in the middle of one of his songs, a string breaks. And so he's playing, the string breaks, and most guitar players, here's what happens. The string breaks, so you stop playing, and you either go to the whole process of putting a new string on, or you tune the other five strings because when one string breaks, this is big, when one string breaks, all the other strings are out of tune. So what needs to happen? You got to stop the music. Stop the fun, stop the joy, stop the emotion of the moment and tune the strings. But Mil Phil Keggy has matured to the point that instead of stopping the music, he kept playing on three of the strings. Kept singing, kept playing, as he was tuning two of the strings. And then, after he had tuned those three strings, he moved to the two strings that he had just tuned, and he keeps playing the song. And all the way through, he, he does not stop the song. He keeps playing all the way through as he's tuning the other five strings. What does that require? That requires uh, Phil Keggy, is it what that requires? You know this kind of Christian? It doesn't mean they're perfect. It doesn't mean everything is in tune all the time. But it's like it doesn't bring their life to a screeching halt every time they need to make an adjustment. Like they have become in tune with God enough. The strings have been stretched enough that they are able to make adjustments in their life as they continue the song, as they continue to minister, as they continue to serve. They're able to be tuned. Because now I have to do it. Nobody likes this moment. Okay, you could do this without the box that I'm looking at right now. And as I'm tuning one of these strings, you can't even hear much of the change, right? It's just a slight change. It's a little bit of a change, but if one of the strings is a little bit out of tune, it makes the whole sound bad. 
If, if one of us is just a little bit off, the whole, it, it's all messed up. It affects everybody else. So each of us have to do our part to do the tuning so that when we start playing, we can make the music God created us to make. We're going to sing some old songs today. And if you'd like to sing along, you're welcome to do that. Who is like him, the lion and the lamb, seated on the throne? Mountains bow down, every ocean roars to the Lord of hosts. Praise Adonai, from the rising of the sun to the end of every day. Praise Adonai, all the nations of the earth. Praise God not just because He's good, but also because He loves us enough to, in His goodness, make us good. In His goodness, in His perfection, perfect us. And that's why we praise Him. Because He's big and because He's loving. Praise Him, the lion, seated on the throne. Praise Him, all nations. God of Judah, oh, praise him, the mountains, every ocean roar, lift up our Savior, praise that a night, oh, praise that night, from the rising of the sun to the end of every All the angels and the saints sing praise. So step one is connect yourself to God. Get tuned up. Get in, get in tune with him. And that's a great gift. However, he didn't stop there. He's like, I want the music to be more powerful, more effective. I want it to impact people, that people can feel it, the resonance, the, the harmonics. And so God says, I'm also going to connect you to the body, to the church. And the value of staying connected to the church is that all of a sudden, we can do things that we could not have done before. A string that's disconnected from the body is just totally ineffective. Now maybe if you have a neck and you got a head and you can make some twangings you can do but without the body you, you could you could make something you could make a noise and sometimes that can be confused for the mission that God calls us to be on but when you connect to the body then you could be able to create sounds sounds of love and sounds of beauty that you can't make any other way We are one in the Spirit, we are one in the Lord, we are one in the Spirit, we are one in the Lord, 
And I pray that our unity may one day be restored And they'll know we are Christians by our love, by our love Yes, they'll know we are Christians by our love We will walk with each other, we will walk hand in hand And we'll guard each other's dignity and save each other's pride. And they'll know we are Christians by our love, by our love. Yes, they'll know we are Christians by our love. So we're, we're the body, but... There are some times when the body doesn't sound like the body is meant to sound, and it's because, as the body, we are not loving the way we were created to love. That's the mission. We talk about the, the command that he's given us, the, the goal that he has given us, it is to expand our ability to love, our ability to love God and our ability to love people. And the more and more we learn to love the way that he loves, the more we sing the song that he created us to sing. Paul told the church in Ephesus, Greeks, Gentiles, he says, you are no longer strangers and foreigners. You are citizens along with all of God's holy people. You are members. This is where we get the talk of us being a family, the, the church being a family. You are members of God's family. When we come into church, you know, the church I grew up in and grew up around and grew up watching, a lot of that church looked a lot like this to me. Hey guys, did you have a good week? How about them chiefs? <laughs> it's good, I had a good week. I, uh, yeah, good weather. How'd you like that weather? Everybody good? All right, let's go sing some songs and listen to the preacher. We'd, we'd dress up in fancy clothes, not the clothes we would normally wear. We'd, we'd wear nicer clothes because we had to put on a special face. We'd put on, we'd put on a different mask, a little bit more makeup. We've got to look good for the church. We've got to put on a face. Then we go to church. And then we'd go home and we'd be like, oh, okay, that was way heavier. 
than I was putting on. My wrist hurts. I pretty regularly have wrist problems. That hurts all the way through. But, and when I'm at church, though, I got to do some pretending. I got to keep the face on. I got to keep pretending. That is not what God created the church to be. We're a family. We are the body of Christ. We support each other. We love each other. We, we love. That is what we do. All around the church, we've got some tables. There's one near you. And in each table, there is one of these. Put that up on the screen. Anybody know what this is? It's called a bridge pin. I call it other things too. That's what I've always called it, a bridge pin. And it's this little plastic thing that you put the string in the hole of the guitar and then you shove this pin down in beside the string and it holds the string into the guitar. So this pin is what connects the string to the guitar. And so today, the invitation has a call to action. In just a few minutes, we're gonna sing one more song. And while we sing that song, I'm gonna invite you to come forward and take a bridge pin from one of these Purchase Project baskets. And the bridge pin is only valuable if it's used, obviously, right? So my invitation is not that everybody comes forward. I do not think everybody is coming forward on this invitation. This is an invitation to say, if you are ready to take a next step, to say, here, I'm here with my connection to the church, I, I, I'm here in my service to generosity, to fellowship with the church, and I am today committing before God and his church to take a next step. To, 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 and you're gonna have to figure out what that is for you. But to take a next step, say, I'm going to intentionally this year, as we be, do this kickoff Sunday and launch into a new year of ministry, this year I'm going to take a next step in my commitment to the church. And we say this generally like the church universal, big C church, Catholic church. Uh, Catholic just means universal. The universal church we're making a commitment to. But then more specifically today, my invitation is that you will take a step. And that probably means that something in connection to our local church is going to change. You're going to step in, in a direction toward God, closer to God today. And you can come forward to any one of these baskets. There's two up in the balcony. Come forward to any one of these baskets throughout this song. And uh, you can sing along. And if you'd like to make that commitment, come grab a bridge band. My 
given us everything we need to become the people that you created us to be. I pray that you would give us the courage, that we would have the faithfulness that we need to stay connected when the world is doing everything it can to pull us apart, to break us apart, to divide us, to separate us, to get us to be mad at each other. God, I pray that you would remind us that we are not just a gathered group of people, but that we are your body. We are your bride. We are your family, God. And whenever there is a lack of love in us, we are reflecting not you, but the enemy. So God, today, we commit to love more, to sacrifice more, to give more, to surrender more to you. That you would mature us as you tune us, that we would grow and become the people you created us to be. We love you and thank you.